Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Foreign National on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Brenner-Yang, with my wonderful wife, Pixada Knack. Hello, hello. Can I get those horns? <laughs> and um, today we have an amazing guest. Um, his name is Jason Cadell, and um, we'll kind of get into him a little bit. Um, per classic foreign national style, we really don't prompt our guests, um, especially <laughs> if they haven't listened to the show before, what the show is about um, and what we talk about. But um, the idea of foreign national, the show, is um, kind of um, basically what the word represents, right? Um, living somewhere, um, and bec- um, but you're from somewhere else, um, and you uh, fall in love with a certain se- sense of place. And then you contribute to the larger community of that place and help define um, what um, that is moving forward. Um, I've said it much more eloquently before, um, um, but that's kind of the gist. We'll really. laminate it for you for next time. Yes, we need to laminate <laughs> it. Um, but, you know, the idea of that, like, um, being a global citizen, but also being a micro-citizen of your area. And I think that you, through our relationships... Um, I think you really kind of represent this idea of being a foreign national where you're kind of a citizen of the world and you contribute to the world um, in large, but also very much in your community. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I feel uh, just to sort of riff off of, uh, of that for a minute, I feel admittedly less <laughs> that way now at my age and um, having you know, been a touring musician before, I think it's a lot easier to kind of plug into that global feeling when you're actually rolling around the globe. Um, I don't do that as much. I still do some international travel, but uh, I think the micro-citizenship has been more interesting to me lately, particularly, uh, you know, as politics in the country have shifted. Yeah, so this is a very special show for me because, um, you know, Zeta and I, we met maybe six years ago. Six seven years ago, Who knows? roughly our timeline. When did, when did <laughs> We're gonna have to laminate I, I was, that too. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was actually. I'm going through a decluttering at the house, and I opened up a box, and it was just like le- love letters from Eric. And I was like, Oh man, he used to be so sweet to me. Did you? And they're de- like, dated like 2012, whatever. Did you declutter it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm gonna burn these. Lighter. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I was like, Oh wow, that's so cute. <laughs> I was like, do I feel like a, a butterfly in my heart or, or something? I was like, no, I'm just moving on. <laughs> That's she's, very sweet. She's no. joking, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just make that clear for the listeners. Uh, okay, so um, Jason Cadell is the guitar player for, to me, uh, you are a celebrity. <laughs> um, for one oh, of the most in- influential rock bands of all time called the Dismemberment Plan. 
who are based out of Washington, D.C. And then even more detailed came from Mary Washington, which is my alma mater. It's true. And it used to be Mary Washington. Yeah. Now University of. Now University of I feel of like you're something. having a throwback day. Because oh, today's a throwback totally. day. Today's oh a throwback God. day. Where's my rugby shirt? We had somebody come to Shopkeepers this morning, um, a gentleman that just moved here from Richmond. Um, and it was him, it was Eric and Ryan at the table and um, uh, uh, someone new that just joined our team, Vina. And somehow everybody was somehow connected to each other through Richmond or Fredericksburg. And I'm mm-hmm. just sitting there while everybody's just like, borderline high-fiving each other and cheering them like yeah, we're I know old. nothing about this. <laughs> yeah, totally. oh man uh, but this is good because um, <laughs> my wife has never seen me play music yeah and my Look wife that it's that's true. a trip yeah my wife has I've ne- seen him play a bunch of times my I have wa- no idea I would not know he's a total badass my wife I, I still have samples from guitar solos from Pash Records in like I have a sample library, yeah, you know, and I've still got. It's, it's called Eric Seagulls. Nice. From you and the battle. Very good at noise. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, so totally. she's never seen me play music. She's never seen me um, uh, practice music. Huh. Uh, we dated after basically the band folded, and sure. so I was not active at all. And I have this weird um, sense, this real weird trauma with live music <laughs> and wanting to play, and then playing music. I just I get really off. He looks so oh, tense. If we even like, if there's even live music playing or just new music that is just maybe something that I, I just see a twitch <laughs> in his eyes and his palms start to sweat. He's just tense and he just wants to get the fuck out of there. Like I'm because done. you're not good. doing it. Like I don't know. It's just an, an emotional PTSD. PTSD <laughs> thing yep. for me. Yeah, because <laughs> like, totally legit. <laughs> yeah. So like, if I want to see a band, it'll be a band that would have been you know the last show that i was like i want to go to a show is we went to go see um reina maria oh yeah wow at, i saw them or i didn't i saw that they came through yeah yeah so we went to that show at rock and roll hotel now i think that was the first time in six years i was like i i think i finally want to go i, I even presented it that way i was like i think i finally want to go to a concert dude <laughs> I, but it wasn't I'm, even him right that initiated it was a friend of ours that mm. was like oh i'm gonna go get tickets and he you know eric expressed interest but i don't I'm, he wasn't quite ready so our friend was going, and he's like, "I'm going to get tickets," and then it turned into a, like, "Okay, we'll all go." So what do you? What you're <laughs> his as his partner? What do you? Where do you feel like that comes from? I don't know. You I think watch it's just him a all the time, right? He gets so involved in whatever mm-hmm. he's doing at that very moment, and he just zones everything out. That maybe that's how this place. If, if it's not going to be at 150, percent I, I feel like mm-hmm. he mentally just like he can't. I don't know. Can't think about it. That's interesting. No, no, no. We're still, we're still thinking it through. That's why we're in therapy. Oh, absolutely. 100%. That's why it's important. Who are you really? Yeah, Who am I? What the fuck What's did I sign name? up for? <laughs> There's, yes. Yes, there is that. But that's, that's interesting. Uh, it's a weird thing, man. Being on stage is weird. Okay, so some of the listeners may not know about you or even the band all of them um, (laughs) that's not true and so um if you could just give us a little context of yourself and a little bit of bio um and kind of you know the the history of jason cadell the musician uh well the band started in 93 um kind of in the dc suburbs some of us had been playing together in fredericksburg a bit and we sort of hammered it out over a few years of scraping together money to do recordings and um, play shows and stuff like that. 
Uh, our first drummer, Steve Cummings, uh, stepped away from the band after a couple of years, and then the current drummer, Joe Easley, uh, stepped in. And at that point, we kind of tightened up our game a bit in terms of everybody's dedication to full-time uh, musicianhood, I guess, which I'm <laughs> finding... Uh, it's just amazing to think about what you'll do when you're in your 20s versus what you'll do when you're in your 30s and your 40s and so on and so forth. Right. That stuff changes. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then we just uh, we played shows and got better made more records got better and kind of kept at it okay so um how many dismemberment plan albums are there there are four full-length records is that right exclamation point terrified emergency and i five full-length records including uh uncanny valley which is from just a few years ago right and um the first few records are all recorded at inner ear uh, the Ish. first two, right? Uh, the th- third one was recorded at Water Music in Hoboken, and then, if I'm remembering correctly, we went back to Inner Ear for Change. Um, and Uncanny Valley was recorded at Magpie Cage in Baltimore, Jay Robbins' place. Got it. Yep. So, like during this time, to me, this is almost like the DC reinvention of what people consider DC music during this time period kind of um yeah you know i would agree with that i there were a bunch of people doing a bunch of different stuff though we were in our own weird uh little arty cubby hole uh along with smart went crazy and uh some other folks and then there was uh i don't know when i think about back to that time for whatever reason hoover is popping into my head like uh, super art rock yeah. kind of stuff was happening at that time, too. You guys were the antithesis of the Washington, D.C. sound, for the most part. Yeah, b- b- Potentially, but we... You don't have to be nice. You're old now. <laughs> you, can say, you can say it how you want to say it. No, I... It's um, a safety booth. Can you say we're, <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> we are... Uh, we're a bunch of nerds uh, when it comes down to it. I still very much identify that way. Um, as your wife was saying earlier, like I, I can totally identify with that, like hyper focus getting into something. You're going to be in it up to your elbows for five days. And like, you're really going to, you know, take it as far as you can take it. We all kind of had that approach to music. Uh, I think as listeners and as fans, we were, and I think remain to a person really omnivorous Mm -hmm. when it comes to music. And I think that's a huge part of, what makes the band what it is is that we kind of were into all comers. That's not to say that we're not super judgmental <laughs> and, and that we don't have really particular standards because that's the damn truth. And I'm uh, quite possibly the the main offender when it when it comes when it comes to being snotty about music. But uh, it's always yeah. the quiet guy, right? Seriously. So uh, if let's uh, Jack, let's we'll pull up a song. So let's pick one song um, that you that you um, can handle listening to for a little bit um, that we can give a, the listeners a little taste. Uh, sure. How about following through? It's the first one that popped into my head. We got that, Jack? Oh, yeah. All right. Make it happen. We're going to make it.
back yeah i thought i thought uh jason was taking off his earphones because he was having trauma like (laughs) he's like like, what are we doing to people uh, here uh, (laughs) like we're just like so that was um that was following through um that was to give you guys a little bit uh sound clip of what the bounce sounded like and also so zeta and jason could eat some french fries oh man they're uninterrupted (laughs) i was looking at what is the sandwich over there the hot something oh the hot brown over at the cup yeah something like that right it looked really good um so, in high school, mm-hmm. um, I was uh, dating this girl that was a little older than me. Her name mm-hmm. was Erica Bori. Mm-hmm. And where'd you go to high school? Woodbridge Senior High School. I'm sure you Woodbridge. Were. Yeah. Fascinating. So you're like uh, you're like a, a, a Potomac Mills guy. I'm. Yeah. My first <laughs> job um, was. By the at, way, that sign almost bent over because there, that of that windstorm yeah, yeah that windstorm. whoa for real that big mm-hmm. giant they one the, they had to shut down 95 because the iconic potomac mall sign was bending from leaning the wind. it was the leaning tower of mall that's, sign yeah that's not i'm totally gonna look on the don't internet worry. for pictures it, it's it's back up don't worry everybody yes yeah, so i used to work at miss mrs tyndall's uh the popcorn place at the oh, food court snap. when i was 15 getting the ladies food the, court popcorn that was my first job Man, no wonder you're so successful at restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I was kill- it been killing it. Well, it all if you, if started you with to, food court popcorn. If you listen to one of the shows, he actually uh, was an entrepreneur at the age of five, selling his McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Yep, at the flea market. Dude, uh, is that entrepreneur or something more sinister? <laughs> Hustling. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so Erica Bory in high school, she was two years older than me, and this is back when people made people made mixtapes. Oh yeah. And she made me my very first mixtape, and it only include it only included two artists, uh, the Far Side, on one side, nice, a, a mix of Far Side songs, and then on the other side was a mix of Dismemberment Plan songs, mm. and that's all I listened to. Uh, oh, this is really interesting. Is all I listened to for my formidable high school years were these this mixtape. Dude, is I it? have a tape too. I'll I'll chime in after. Um, and what's interesting is I think Jason and I have known each other for over a decade now. Got at least, yeah. And I'm, and I'm dropping all this uh, gushing on him for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I had Musakua. You got Jason. Yeah, you had, you had you a know. politician. I have um, a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hilarious. So you were part of his love affair. How yeah. How dare you? I guess. <laughs> no, we uh, yeah, we've known each other a long time, dude. We've known each other a long time. Yeah. Wow. So how'd you guys officially meet me? Pash, I think, from, right? From Pash, yeah. It yep. was like, so um, 
Uh, Dismembering Blame took a break for a bit of time, and Jason started producing albums here in Washington, D.C., giving back to the community, producing out at Inner Ear Studios in Arlington, Virginia, which um, is one of the most famous kind of um, rock and roll, punk rock um, recording studios in the world. Was that the one by the Whole Foods in Clarendon? That it's it's by it's like kind of in Sherlington. Oh, okay. Um, four mile run. Four mile run. Uh, uh, next to um, Willy Nilly. What's this? The sandwich shop. Oh, Weenie Beanie. There's weenie a Weenie Beanie, beanie, beanie yep. down that is the Shirley street. Right? Yeah. Four mile. Next to the yeah. Weenie Beanie, and it's actually down the road a little bit, but yeah. close enough. Uh, so a lot of the most famous kind of influential. Um, kind of punk rock bands of the late 70s, early 80s, late 80s. Yeah, mo- mo- starting, I think, mostly in the early 80s. Like the early stuff before Inner Ear was at uh, where it is now in Shirlington. It was at Don's house, Don Zentera, the owner. Um, and that was, uh, uh, dang it, what, their name has just escaped my head. HR is the singer. Yep, Bad Brains. Thank you. Jeez, I'm getting old. <laughs> Uh, Bad Brains, early Bad Brains was recorded in his basement. And that's, there's a bunch of other stuff too that just is what sticks out in my mind. So yeah, it's legendary for sure. Bad Brains, um, Fugazi, Minor Threat, yeah. Minor Threat, a bunch of the Discord catalog. Yep. yep. Is this Pash. Place still open? Pash, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's yep. still there. And then, um, so he was recording there. And this is the first time that we had saved up enough money. We were going to do the first Pash record. Um, I don't even know knew how I knew that you were producing albums or working there, um, but it was like it was mostly Mare and I's money, and Mare was also a huge fan of this member plant. Meredith was the singer of this band I was in called Pash, and we were like it was it was like a I was like this guy has to do my album. <laughs> so you stalked him, pretty much, yeah. Classic like classic Eric was like right I, something I really wanted and. We just had to like move whatever mountains that we needed to do to make it happen. I don't know about mountains. <laughs> we're all here. <laughs> well, money was the main. Sure. The main uh, always is. Not saying like you were, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, but no, whatever the uh, inflation rate equivalent yeah. was. <laughs> but no, that okay. that place um, has produced some of my favorite records for sure. The ones that come to mind most immediately: is Red Medicine by Fugazi. Anything, and, and anything hits. most recent? Not, well, yeah. most recent is tough. I feel like I go through these real long periods of not listening to music, and then I kind of come back to it. So I'm in a come back to it phase at this point. Um, and in terms of the DC stuff, I've been listening to Desdemona's a bunch, but I'm not sure where they recorded their record, to be honest. Um, but those guys are smoking. I like them quite a bit. Does this does this also roll into not necessarily what we were thinking of this conversation, but just asking that question of anything that we would know of today that's come out of you know where you guys produce that record? But Eric, every time we turn on the t- on the uh, not TV the radio, you know what he always says every time he puts on like a punk rock station or whatever it is, whatever that genre re- specific is. He's like, it's the same music that I grew up with. It's not changed. There's like no new breakthrough artists that are having the opportunity to be highlighted on the station unlike R&B and rap where they're constantly um, there's always constantly a new rotation of, of people and, and the shift in talent and 
um, and evolving of that uh, of that genre. I mean, I, I swear we could put DC 101 on right now. He does mm. it every time. He'll be on and I'll be, like, I'll be like, Pearl like, Jam. And there Boom. it is. Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. And then you put it on 93.9 and they'll be playing the newest, freshest music. And doesn't it's not necessarily something that I enjoy, but you could put on 93.9, 95.5, any time of the day and guaranteed you're, you're listening to something that is at so, least within the last year. So this Why is fun. Is DC 101 right now. Put on. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's actually Blur. what's playing right now. <laughs> that was Blur. That's a great record. Yeah, but that's that's easily yeah. like 1996. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, Blur. I think there's a bunch of different reasons for that, I think. And I'm uh, this is all totally speculation coming out of my face. But uh, that's where the money is, right? Like that's where the most of the money is in the in the music business right now is, is in R&B and hip-hop, I think, by and large. And that's why there's more development there. Yeah. Um, but it that very sort of simplistic statement is totally complicated by the fact that people are getting music from freaking everywhere mm-hmm. now. And like radio, even though at a certain level is still the money maker for artists of a certain whatever, I don't know, commercial this level of commercial success, I guess. Uh, I can't remember the last time I listened to a radio station. You know, I'm I'm constantly in... I happen to be in Apple Music, but it doesn't matter. It's like Apple Music or Spotify or yeah. Amazon. You know, pick your streaming source. Um, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, the YouTube. <laughs> you, too. Yeah, kids you and YouTube. Really don't get that to- totally. I mean, but the thing about YouTube is, you gotta work to find stuff. So yeah. if somebody's gonna send me something, I'll check it out. It's the same thing of uh, like I try to dip into Bandcamp from time to time because there's a bunch of great stuff going on there that you can't necessarily find on Apple Music or Spotify or, or what have you. So we're in a super weird time uh, when it comes to sourcing. As, a, a, as an audiophile, does it pain you no. that no. modern but, musicians don't care about no. sound quality as much? No, because it, it's just different. That shit all goes in cycles, man. And I can like... Um, I'm going to use a total left field example. Uh, there's a John Hyatt record that's got a track on it called uh, Feels Like Rain or Looks Like Rain. I think it's Feels Like Rain. That is, in my memory, like the the peak of late 80s, early 90s recording and engineering. Like, it's a beautifully... Yeah, is it, got it on there. Beautifully recorded piece of work. Like, you can hear the snare... Beautifully, his voice is present and full and right there. Man, it sounds totally like the 90s. <laughs> so much about I mean, we used to, me and Chad Clark, some other nerds used to sit around and talk about records like this all the time that were, had nothing to do with punk rock, but had everything to do with the art of making records. Um, so there's that, and then I don't know if you can get to... Um, $300 by Soul Coughing. Mm. And we can listen to that. And it's like fried trash. Fried trash. Yeah. I did it. I found That's the right the, words, yeah. right? It just listen to the drums come in. It's like a mess. Like what? Zero, zero about that sounds natural. Right? right? Maybe his guitar a little bit. Yeah. But it still sounds like it was recorded in a junkyard in the hollowed out shell of a dump truck. So, 
I can get with either of those things to a certain extent. I mean, I'm not the world's biggest John Hyatt fan, right? But Bonnie Raitt, I Can't Make You Love Me is in the same general sphere. And, and I'm totally down with that song. Like I heard uh, somebody sent me a funk cover of uh, I Can't Make You Love Me the other day that made me super mad. Because it's like the saddest song in the universe. And like why you don't... <laughs> I mean, Footsteps in the Dark by the Isley Brothers. If you need a sad funk song, already done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cover that one. But I'm, I'm digressing like Look, crazy. judgment is coming out right now. I like he, it. He, yeah. He's I, just I, talking I, about it. That's okay. It's we got it. We, we, we found the zone. I know. We found <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Give him a couple a totally, fries. Stop it's playing a, the music. It's totally a sad, obsessive little zone. But uh, no, I, I totally can get with either. You know, to a certain extent. So if somebody is going to send me a totally hashed up MP3 that is still incredible sounding, it's incredible sounding. And I'm I'm not going to like pull a Neil Young and be like or a freaking Jack uh, White or whoever that's obsessive about recording technology. You know, that stuff is cool. It is awesome to stand in front of a freaking Neumann U47, and I've heard those things on headphones, and they are mind-blowing. You know, you're just like, I don't know how a microphone freaking does that. Mm-hmm. But that is that has is kind of neither here nor there in terms of the value of the end product. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so if we're gonna, if I'm gonna sit here and and talk about the difference between John Hyde and Soul Coughing, and be honest about that spread. I'm going to do the same thing about whatever 180,000 bit hoo-ha is on Pono and the crappy little MP3 that somebody ripped from a CD. You know, I have a DVD box set that I just got in Benin. Uh, My partner and I were in Africa, West Africa, uh, earlier in January. And this DVD box set is of a funk band from Benin in the 70s called Polyritmo. And that stuff, you know, audio quality, not spectacular. Right. Music, off the charts. Yeah. So, yeah, I just don't, I kind of, that stuff is you're not, you're not secondary. Right. It's secondary to me, to whatever is coming out of the speakers, you know. So, recently, my wife discovered a term for a category of music that she absolutely loves what called Yacht Rock. Careful. <laughs> I mean, I love the but music. I didn't know there was careful. a thing for it. That's, but Thank you, it's, Larry. It's we a pejorative, I'll have you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what's really interesting to me is, so there is, actually, I lied. There is one time I was forced to play music, um, and we were at her uncle's house for 4th of July. <laughs> it wasn't 4th, it was just a normal whatever night. We'll say 4th of July, because that's like a big... That's his thing. That's his that's thing. His her true. uncle, every 4th he of July... He builds a stage. He builds a stage... They for buy, real? They buy illegal fireworks. Yeah, they play covers for hours, rain or shine. Because last last Cambodian time, ran- covers, yacht rock covers. Where is this? In uh, Falls Church. Falls Church. Oh, I'm surprised they, they don't call the fuzz, man. They, they, they do. do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do. Yeah. The cops do come. Because <laughs> the, um, the fireworks are pretty. Every year they've gotten more and more intense. Um, the setup just gets more intense in the backyard. How can I ask how old he is? I love to judge people. He's a, uh, how old I don't know, are? Like six. He's not even sixty. He's like fifties. Me and you are well. I'm sleeping. You've got like five restaurants. So I'm definitely sleeping. I can't say that you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> this is also the same uncle that um, pays, plays in a very physical uh, soccer. Yeah, he's Soccer very, very interesting. And, and I, told I gotta him, get I was my like, act Eric together. Eric wants to play with you, and he goes, "Oh, I don't know if he can." 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to be prepared for this. But, yeah, then, so, but then his son uh, was like, can I play with Eric? It's like, well, yeah, if you want to play with that old man. Like, which old man are you going to choose to play with? Your dad or Eric? Depends on what your physical level is. So yes. he, he throws this party every year. Every year. July. It's a big party for him. I mean, that's one him. of many. But this one is the most important to him. And he gets a couple people together. They play music for a long time. And they play, like, a lot of the uh, Cambodian people come. Can I also tell you about his band? Yeah, please. One of them. God, I forgot what his name is. Is this one white kid that my cousin grew up with? So it's all Cambodians and one <laughs> no. random white kid <laughs> playing bass. And he's in college now, but he comes back and Puvan is like, "All right, yeah, this poor kid has to get him up yeah, there. Tony, Tony, Tony has to come back every year from college to make sure he plays bass because his Puvan um, <laughs> doesn't. Band. He doesn't have another bass player. Like he's, this kid's been band. playing bass for these Fourth of July parties I, yeah. since he was like fifteen or sixteen. That I is mean, incredible. And so every year it gets the band gets a little bit better because Tony's a little bit older. Everyone's a little sure. bit older. They've been playing the same songs for over a decade. That's you know? so awesome. It's like if you were to get back with, you know, Joe and Merritt, like it would just yeah. fall into place. It's, Same just, with it's like riding a bike. Yeah. <laughs> it, I but think it's different when you do it every year, Cam- though, yeah. Cambodians love a certain set of the same 12 songs. All Cambodians. Um, and House of the Rising Sun is a classic. <laughs> what the random? <laughs> yeah. And we had to play it at our wedding. Like it is a it is a theme song of Cambodian immigrants in America, House of the Rising Sun. So well, the, I mean, yeah, like, I mean it goes into like also like familiar music during such a golden age. Uh, oh, but I mean obviously that's not during that time. But you know they're just like in pop culture here. You know it rolls over into so many other countries abroad, and sure. um, there's just certain really positive, fond cultural American ideas that uh, and memories that people around the globe right, so relate have, to. So, so we have House of hey, Rising Sun. Hey, House of what, Rising Sun happens to be one what, of what, what are some of the so others that we can spit off? Uh, Santana. I don't know which song it is. Oikomava, maybe? Oh, uh, uh, yes, that one. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's another Santana song. I don't know the names of them. You have to play them. And I'm like, oh, sure. yeah, that one. Like, we don't know the names. I don't think they know, know the names the, either, We don't actually. know the names of them. Because so, like, I was going to ask if it was... House of the Rising Sun has been done by a bunch of people. So I was wondering if it was like the Eric Berdone and version which is well, one point, of the bigger versions you're, you're getting like really but techn- well like, the, deep with that. I have the no only idea. reason i'm asking is because <laughs> yeah. of the timeline and that would speak to they when they will play all versions of it this house of rising sun when eric was forced to play Yo, 30, was on repeat 30 minutes easily wait of, <laughs> of house of the rising sun 30 minutes easily where it was just like i'm gonna play my solo and then you play your solo, and then I play my solo. What a then, teenage garage nightmare! Yeah, and it was like I think we had In only been basement. together. We had only been together. It was like our first year. Like we were it's still a test dating. for you, my man. And I was like, it, I'm not like an impromptu guitar solo guy. Like just I'm not an impromptu guitar guy at all, ever. And I was just like, and I hadn't played easily for like three or four years. <laughs> she just happened to be like, oh, Eric plays guitar, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, Eric plays guitar. He busts out the drum machine. He starts drumming "House of the Rising Sun." He gets me the music, and like I can I can read music if I'm playing piano, but not guitar sheets. So yeah. he gives me the guitar, and I'm like. Tab, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and then ever since now, I, now I'm not invited to soccer, and I've never been invited to play oh. uh, in the in, in the. Well, I think I think Bubon was probably like, yeah, I'm sure he plays. Look at this guy; like, he doesn't even know what the hell he's doing right now. He's trying. Yeah, so he, I actually, liar is what he was thinking. Really, exactly. <laughs> has, he's has, like, yeah, I'm sure everybody plays. You know, and has and of course, Bubon been to Maketo? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we, we, he's yeah, yeah. Awesome. He actually, yeah, he gave me shock fevers a couple weeks. He just ago. doesn't. Add, add, he just Red. doesn't let me partake in his <laughs> extracurricular. <activity. laughs> because to him, he's just like everybody should try to keep up with me. And Eric had one chance, one chance, and he did not come through. But speaking of the, Man, the, the music that, that you got, in, serious. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the music that you got in Africa, right? Yeah. Um, and I think maybe this is probably going to be the same sense of what I'm going to say about um, Cambodian and American and rock and roll. Yeah. Is that House of Rising Sun has become this kind of this song, right? But then they they play it, and then they start singing Cambodian. Um, an entire Cambodian song on top of it. Whoa. So they'll, and, and I know that like in Nigeria and stuff, there's a lot of this kind of like blues rock where they'll take like classic American songs and just write entire new African songs That's over so cool. it. And so there's, um, uh, what's an easy one he can, he can look up. I don't even, I, I mean, what do you mean? Like a Cambodian one? Yeah. Oh God. I don't know. Just look up like Cambodian, but now they're even coming out with Cambodian rap songs. Uh, just uh, <laughs> just do uh, just do dengue fever, Jack. I think oh they, there's yeah, a, there's do a dengue good fever. One. Yeah, they're they're always good. Oh, they I they do a mix of like year, a yeah. new and um, a little bit of the old, and then they do definitely get very very Cambodian. Well, they they will do like a little bit. Of I saw them last year, just totally by happenstance. Yeah, at a Google event. I don't know what we're gonna get, but this is a nice surprise. Yeah. This, I think this is an original. Yeah. This is We'll have to find it's called one. Seeing Hands, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's one of their original. originals. Okay. They definitely also do new versions. Yeah, what's of, like, their, their fam- the famous one that has to be played at all weddings? You know this. Go play with the one. Go go the beard song. I love the, the beard song. Beard song is not what it's called. <laughs> no, I. Oh. I think I got it. It's called Shave Your Beard. Yeah. Is that? I love that. That that's it. But it's not an American one. I'll do. We, we have to listen to cut your Shave Your Beard. That's that. a good one. Is this? Okay, I got it. There, there's actually a Sensi Samot song in which is, uh, I think it's like a twist off of like an Afro-Caribbean song. Um, and he actually speaks Spanish in that one. <laughs> I don't know if it's like... Um, another another good one is from them is Tiger Phone Car because I think that... Um, That's like a little bit of... Yeah, it has a little bit of everything. You that. live in Phnom Check my So this you can hear like uh, maybe it's uh, the power of suggestion but I like hear the house of the rising sun in there you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like same thing happened to me. Some, of those, some <laughs> yeah. of those textures, you're like, that's so interesting. Well, so it really, um, it kind of evolved into this. But, uh, you know, 1950s, 1960s um, was kind of like this amazing cultural 
explosion in Cambodia and really inspired by American and British rock and roll. And um, and then you get into, you know, late 60s, 70s with Vietnam War and all these wars and you have all these soldiers coming, bringing in the tapes. Totally. Um, and people discovering this. That's how people were discovering this music. Um, and... Uh, instead of learning the English, they they could learn the music. Anyone could, they can learn the music, and so they would learn the music, and then just write originals over the framework of all of these songs. Whether sure. they took the entire um, song and just ripped it, and then would re- yeah. write a new song on top, or they would take the things and then it just kept on going and going. And that's like classic Cambodian rock and roll is heavily based on it. That it, it reminds me totally of the birth of ska and reggae in Jamaica. It's a very similar story where jazz and um, R&B radio stations in the southern part of the U.S. could be picked up on the islands, and they totally made something brand new that did not exist before mm-hmm. from those sort of, from from that stew of parts. Um, it's just fascinating. I mean, to that me. type, yeah, and that type of influence—that's just how things sort of become birthed. It's yeah. inspired by something. There, you know, you can be lucky to really be an original, like the original, and be like the origin of something and the found, build the foundation of something. But everything else kind of has evolved into something that now, what we hear now is, we think of the golden age of Cambodian rock music that was so influential from, you know, the UK, the US, the, you know, the, the you know, the Caribbean, you, you hear all of that. Um, but, you know, when we listen to it, there's still very Cambodian part that makes it very Cambodian. Um, but so that is Cambodian pop rock, you know, and not just, oh, they just copied American music. Yes, in a sense, right? But that's what it was. It was just a process of how um, they've created this new genre of music and it now is such an important part like important era of of cambodia you know so i mean it does it we do it with food you know that's that's how this is like this is almost like a parallel conversation of what we do with food and 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 music here um and even like fashion just because i you know i've been reading the amitora book and um there's a little bit of influence here and and that's how you know when we look at people in japan that wear somewhat americana fashion you still look at it like that's so japanese but it's actually very much influenced and taken um, and, and tweaked to create its own thing that was very influenced by something American. You These know? jeans made in Japan. Yeah. But it's all, and it all like, I'm, it and I'm in the chapter. I, I'm in the chapter so interesting. of American denim in Japan right now. I mean, I swear, I'm like cracking up at every page, but it's so compelling. It's awful. obviously clearly for another. I'm doing a book club. For oh, the Amitora book, yeah, you if you want to, April 29th, guys, if you want <laughs> to know any more and come through, pants. Jason, Jason <laughs> used to text me it. in my formative cool years. He'd be like, hey, I have a show. Uh, I'm looking at these four shoes. Which one should I buy? <laughs> <laughs> Always got good advice. So um, we're kind of coming to the tail end. So we'll do some kind of just kind of fun stuff. Um, best... Um, best food, best food during tour in America. We'll we'll do America Can first. We do, I'm going to do most memorable. <laughs> there we go. And the Thank thing you. that I got a co- I got a couple of things. Uh, one burritos as big as your head in Champaign, um, Illinois, and in, in that general central Illinois area where my partner is from. I can't. 
I don't remember if that's the name of the store. I remember that it was the billboard and that it was actually true. And it was super cheap, but like the craziest, biggest burritos ever. That is uh, memory number one. And memory number two was this, <clears throat> what I think uh, in retrospect was probably a totally average Vietnamese place in Austin. But I discovered Bun there. And every time we go back to Boston, I would hot foot it down to that place because it was the only place I knew to get bun at that time. Yeah. And it was freaking delicious. Like, I don't, the way that uh, uh, Thai folks and Vietnamese folks do that grilled meat thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's Just really. The palm sugar. Oh, that's what it, okay. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Palm sugar mm-hmm. is the, uh, the secret. Turmeric and palm sugar. I, I could just eat that stuff all day. It's so delicious. And then, um, how much better uh, was the food um, on the reunion tours <laughs> during the non-reunion tours? I honestly, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was. I mean, when we were touring in the early days, it was pretty rough, uh, for sure, because we just didn't have a lot of dough. We didn't really have a lot of dough in 2012 necessarily either, but probably made better choices, you know. Um, one of your biggest tours was the Pearl Jam tour. Yep. And um, how good was the catering on the Pearl Jam tour? It was delicious. Walk me through. So if they don't and eat so all the nice. food, do you just go in and just take whatever you want? All right. So how much time do we how have? How does that work? We, I, we have time. We get time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to tell a story about catering and Pearl Jam. Um, we played in Oslo. We opened for them in Oslo. Uh, at a basketball arena and uh, I'd seen them a few times at this point I was not a huge Pearl Jam fan before we toured with them but after we toured with them it was apparent to me why they have such a huge fan base because they are a kick-ass rock band um, that's kind of undeniable especially if you see them live but I went out of the audience and kind of got a little bored because I had been watching them a bunch and so I went uh, back downstairs uh, no, no, no. Oh, man, I'm screwing up the story. I'm going to rewind. Thank, that was really good. <laughs> so <laughs> we made a deal with catering on the Pearl Jam Tour. Uh, we were real kind of hard-headed about not eating before we went on stage because it makes you full, and then you get sleepy, and then you can't engage as much, which I think was a good policy. So every time we finished our set, we would try to hot-foot it to catering, because they were doing us a favor by staying open. They normally would have been closed by that time. So we played the opening set in Oslo. I hot-footed it back to the dressing room with the rest of the guys and kind of following behind me. But I kind of got there before everybody else, and our driver was in the dressing room, and I started to change clothes to go down the hall to dinner. And our driver looked at me kind of with his eyes wide and said, did you see who was in there? Now, on the way down, I had passed through this kind of common area where Pearl Jam and a bunch of other people were watching the World Cup, which was on at the time. I was not paying attention. I was trying to do trying my thing. Trying to eat. Trying to do my thing. Get to dinner. Be the nice people waiting for us. And I said, no, who was it? And I'm like pulling on a shirt. And he said, Robert Plant. And I shit you not, I squealed like a 12-year-old girl or boy with a high voice. Like it was totally involuntary. <laughs> completely involuntary. Who is it? Uh, it's the lead singer of Led Zeppelin, mm. famous rock band from the 70s in England. So uh, being the super awesome, cool fella that I am, I ran 
back down the hall. <laughs> like I seriously like took off and then slowed to a stop as I entered the room. Acting like you're totally totally cool, like not sweating or anything. <laughs> uh, and I enter the room and I uh, sort of take in my surroundings. And right in front of me is Eddie Vedder and Robert Plant having a conversation. And like the fame meter in my head is like pinned, like sparks. <laughs> I just can't get my head around the amount of famousness that's right in front of me. Um, so they had a conversation. I figured what a, I had just read an article, an interview with Steve Albini, who had recorded uh, walking into Clarksdale or whatever that plant page record was at the time, where Page had talked about them still like going to buy records, going to record stores and shit. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to give Robert Plant a dismemberment plan record because this is the only chance I have in life to yeah. do that. So I go back down the hall. I get a record. I come back or a CD. And Plant and his entourage are getting into the freight elevator. Uh, and Plant is all the way at the back. And Pearl Jam's head of security is right at the freight elevator, who is like a mountain of a human being. Like 350-pound defensive back. Totally huge. Really nice guy, but very intimidating. So elevator doors are closing. I put my foot <laughs> in, in the closing elevator doors and stop them. And their head of security is looking at me like, what in the fuck are you doing? And I just reached back like through, through the people on the sides of the elevator towards Robert Plant and just went like, here, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and he was super gracious. And I have to say, like a beautiful human being. Like he's 6'2", uh, trim and tanned and like this lion's mane of curly hair. Uh Led Zeppelin and Rockstardom have treated him well. So the coda to the story is uh, elevator doors closed, they go up. I finish my dinner, calm down, uh, and then go back upstairs to sort of catch the end of the set. <clears throat> and I'm walking around on this, it's like a 10,000, 12,000 person basketball arena. And I'm walking past this enormous queue uh, for the restroom that just goes on and on and on and on. And there are all these kids in these uh, Iron Maiden t shirts because. Iron Maiden had played the weekend before. And it's like teenager, 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 really tall person, teenager, teenager, teenager. And I like turned around and Plant is like standing in this line to go to the bathroom. And, <laughs> and no like, one notices. I, nobody knows. Like all of these little pimply metalheads are like, yeah, so I don't know, man. This Iron Maiden show was fucking cool. Like I can't do a Norwegian accent. But uh, he's standing like nobody's paying attention. And then I think in my head, I'm like, dude, you can go backstage. It's no one is good. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so there you go. To, he wants to be with the people. Yeah. That's my catering story. Great. Love yeah, it. Me too. And then you came back from that tour and everyone bought motorcycles like an idiot. Yeah, but that was super fun, man. <laughs> I kind of, I miss that from time to time. Motors- Mo- motorcycles are fun. There's they're dangerous, but they're fun. impulse buying. No, so there's this <laughs> kind of, there's a, uh, I bought a cheap one. <laughs> so Frank's did he not. adulted. Frankfurtburgs, Virginia is a very small town. Everyone we everyone that lived there that was I'm just gonna say cool. What? There were yeah, I don't I'm not buying that. <laughs> or just enjoyed who, did, who, do you think who you enjoyed are? um participating in just the fun of living in historic downtown all worked at this place called Sammy T's. So there is a legendary Sammy T story where these idiots came back from their Pearl Jam tour. Bought their motorcycles and then and then roll because they worked there too, right? Some me and the bass player, Eric. Yeah, 
all pulled up to the in the front. There was like four patio tables. <laughs> they all pulled up to the front with their motorcycles coming back from oh tour. God, was it really loud? In, that never happened. Was it super loud? That's no. what everyone Noxious. says happened. I know. Uh, Eric's bike was super duper loud, but not because it was like some crazy Harley or something. It was just because the exhaust was broken. <laughs> God love him. But no, we that was super fun. Man. That's what everyone says about you guys. Well, you got famous. You came back to town and you parked your fucking motorcycles in front of the patio. Oh my god, you sound like an little, asshole. Little vegetarian, yeah, shocker. It's like a little falafel shop, right? T- totally. <laughs> No, Sammy's is a real place. Yeah, Sammy's was awesome. Is it still... It changed ownership, didn't it? When Sammy passed, they mm-hmm. sold it to a new family. Mm-hmm. But it's still called Sammy's, but they have kind of changed the menu. Mm-hmm. But I'm, a few of the same people still, I think, work there. <laughs> was your photo on the wall? No. no. Nor should it be. Yeah. <laughs> is your photo on the wall of shopkeepers? No, but no. it should be. It should, <laughs> it should be. be. <laughs> next week. Coming next week. Uh, I can go Right behind the counter. Yeah. And then we kind of wrap up the show talking about nasty snacks. Nasty snacks. <laughs> so, uh, or not. We just call it snacks. Okay, just snacks. But Most basically, people think it's, yeah, nasty. Like last night, I worked. I worked 15 hours yesterday. That's too much. No, nah, maybe I'm exa- I like to exaggerate. So let's say minimum I 12. Mm. I worked 12 hours, um, and I was hungry. So I went to 7-Eleven. They had a great taquito deal. Dude, I had some for t- real. Yeah. I had 7-Eleven taquitos. It's right across the street. But what was really ups- that, okay, that is hardcore. That's a- but what was really upsetting about the taquitos, because it was like three for three dollars, yeah. is I wasn't paying attention. And the guy gave me... Did he spit in your taquitos? All three were the same flavors. Oh, you wanted a f- flavor. I, a, I like that word, I needed, flavor. I needed mix. So <laughs> I had one. I had one. I was like, I'm feeling this. And then I had the second one. I was like, this is the same one. Was it the buffalo chicken one? Because you could I'm not tell. Lie, the buffalo chicken one. I think I like Monterey Jack and Cheese. No, you guys, one you guys have got me one hundred percent. But I also beat. haven't. Yeah, I haven't you had ate some one in a long time. Nasty stuff so. at, at recording days at the studio. Yes, for sure. And uh, I will do like uh, munchos, not all at the same time. Munchos, even better at that, all at the same time. <laughs> cool Ranch Doritos. I'm a Twix head. Love me some Twix. Um trying to think what else and then i but ice cream is really my really that's your horrible downfall totally my kryptonite that's cute what's your favorite favorite go-to brand my go-to is ben and jerry's when something's not on sale but i look for ben and jerry's on sale when i am not being a reasonable person about what i'm putting in my body uh but unfortunately uh i had jenny's not too long ago like at the jenny's on 14th street amazing oh my what's the one that we like a bramble Brambleberry, that's is really my like yeah. just one I thought game changer, dude is total game changer, and I love me some Dolcezza, like that dark chocolate from Dolcezza. Eat that all day long. We went to the original Jenny's in Columbus, Ohio during. Mm. Uh, I don't tour anymore, um, but we not a book tour. No, When's the book tour no, coming? When's the cookbook coming, Eric? We did we did Aspen Food and Wine Festival three years ago or something oh, like wow. that. Wow! Oh, and you guys almost gassed yourselves out of the car. yeah. We did Aspen Food and Wine Festival. <laughs> this was and um, the event was they were kind of cheap. They gave us a small budget, but we had to cook for five hundred people um, when we got there. That's a lot. And in Aspen, you have to fly to Denver, and then you have to fly to Aspen, and it's like, how the fuck are we going to get all this food to Aspen? You can't prep for five hundred people. Once you get to Aspen, and so we got a um, car dealership to sponsor us. They they loaned us a car, and we drove Smart. to Aspen. 
uh, oh, yeah, us, nice. and, us and two team members, and we drove to Aspen. And this is when uh, Maketa had just started going, so we were uh, all the dishes were really focused on Cambodian food. And they were like, "What can we? What can we cook where we don't need to bring a bunch of coolers and blah blah blah?" So we have this amazing dish where we ferment pork at room temperature. Ooh. Um, and so we uh, we packed the car up with all of the stuff, um, and then we packed all of the pork that we would ferment during the drive. So we didn't have to refrigerate any of the meat. You guys are just so smart. And we're we're driving, but we didn't realize that um, dry ice needed to breathe. Oh snap! So we get like twenty minutes, and like I've I've always kind of stressed, and I'm driving, and we're like going down fifty, and I was like, oh my god, I'm having like uh, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a a midlife panic attack. I'm having a midlife panic attack, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm having a panic. But I was like, I'm the boss, and there's, like, two people that are, like, you know, some employees. And I was like, I can't. Heavy as the head that wears the crown, my friend. Yeah, I can't pretend like I'm having a panic attack. So I'm trying to hold it together. And then I look over. Dying of carbon monoxide. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, the other chef, James, he starts screaming. He's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And then he's like sticks his head out the window, and then I'm I'm starting to pass out, and the car's like going like this, and so we pull over, um, and we literally have to sit on the side of the road for like forty five minutes because we had almost just poisoned oh, ourselves with. Oh my god! So we we're only twenty five minutes into the road trip, all the way to Denver, <laughs> before we realize that this plan is super flawed. Um, and so we drove the entire trip with the windows down which is <laughs> what time of year uh i don't remember that I, I don't remember yeah. the time of year but just that noise for hours yeah. and yeah. hours and hours uh but we went to one of the pit stops was columbus um and we went to the original jenny's and i had nine scoops of <gasps> ice cream because i was like i'm never going to be here again this is the real store and so we, yeah i had nine i just tried all of them that's a lot the best yeah, we got some good. It is bananas to me when I think about uh, when we used to come up here to see shows in the early '90s, Black Cat and the Nine Thirty. Uh, compared to where we are now, especially those neighborhoods, Black Cat in general, dude. It's if you would have described it to me at the time, I would have never believed you. Yeah, and this place is like kind of the cherry on top. Nice going, thanks, boss. <laughs> Do you have any other um, personal questions you'd like to ask him that I would never answer for you, Zeta? Is he actually, does he actually play an instrument? I do. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, define play. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of ha- like hack my way through it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. He, do I, you actually run a clothing store? Nah, not <laughs> really. I run a She shuffled shop. a lot today. Oh. Mm-hmm. Community, mm-hmm. community corner. It's a ner- neighborhood shop, which you're going to give me a, a ride back to. Yes. So. I would never consider myself a guitar player. I consider him a guitar That's player. That's ridiculous. You did a great job faking on that axe, man. <laughs> Look. No, okay, more, actually, actually we're all ask, faking was, was Eric actually a good guitar player? I think so. Only very specific, I think, to what we did. Right. And I'm yeah. the same way. Like, yeah. I am not. People uh, have, like, tried to hand me guitars and group uh surroundings i'm just like what i don't even know what to do with this thing yeah. like I mean, if we're gonna write a song I'm and down. i need to come up with a part awesome <laughs> otherwise like i'm not i can't play kumbaya I, or whatever yeah 
he he would he would bomb just as bad as I did oh if he God, had totally. a jam with Buvan. Oh well. No, he would do much yeah, better. Yeah, I could see Buvan going like, that "Who are these people fun. you keep I mean, bringing over to say that they play?" It's like <laughs> a t- it's bums? a challenge now. Well, right. thanks guys. So let's 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 end with the song. Let's pick one more song. No. Yeah, come on. No, of your songs. Oh well, my oh. yeah. It doesn't have to be. It could be one of the newer ones because we can find anything on How YouTube. About something new. Give uh, oh. something that. Some oh, of something the, I've been listening. Oh yeah, uh, play the new, not the new Sudan Archives track, but the uh, the EP that she just released a new single. But the EP before is just play the first track on the EP. I can't remember what the name is, but I've been listening to a lot of Sudan Archives lately. So we'll, Sudan Archives. Yep, that is uh, his pick of the year because he probably won't find something new for another year. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, this it's is an true. important one. Are you sure you're going with this one? Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you. Thank y'all so, very much for having me. You, um, there we go. Oh, he's cutting us off. Okay. No, it's good. No, it's good. All right, we'll play the music. I appreciate you. Thank you. Just making sure I had the right song. <laughs> Bye-bye.